<laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here too. <laughs> this is going to be good. So as Van mentioned, we're starting Hello, Holy Spirit today. And this um, is a, based on a book written by Diane Lehman by the same name, Hello, Holy Spirit. And she's one of the co-senior pastors of the Champagne Vineyard. And this is the same vineyard that brought us Putty Putnam, School of Kingdom Ministry, Robbie Dawkins. They've got a lot of great stuff going on at that church. Okay, so we're going to give the same sermon series, but we're going to put our own spin on it. We're going to share our own stories, our own revelations about the texts, but we are going to follow along with what they did. So I'm going to tell you right now, don't miss this. It's going to be great. Make a commitment to be here every week. Come on Wednesday nights. Really press into this. I think that God has a lot for us this next six weeks. So my job today is to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to dispel some myths, some common thoughts and objections about the Holy Spirit, and share some stories with you from my own life. So, we believe here at the Vineyard in a Trinitarian God. Okay, and we really press a lot into Holy Spirit ministry, into the Holy Spirit's presence. That's not the same as every church. Okay, some churches, you really don't hear a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, I think there's some confusion surrounding the Holy Spirit and even some avoidance of him. Some churches, it seems like they, their trinity is almost Father, Son, and Holy Bible instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, but at this church, we dive right in. Okay. And here's part of what we think. There's a Greek term called perichoresis. Okay, it's a long word, and it's a word that the church fathers developed in the first three centuries. Okay, and they developed it to describe the Trinity. There wasn't really a word that they felt really encompassed the relationship between the Trinity, so they came up with this word called perichoresis. And these are three images that kind of encompass that word. So it's a beautiful word, and it paints a picture all by itself, but it means the divine covenantal dance of the Trinity together. Okay, so there's joy, there's love, there's equality, and they're all interacting and intermingling. And none of, as you see, none of the three parts is bigger than the other part. Okay, so God the Father is not bigger or more powerful or more important than Jesus or than the Holy Spirit. They're all together. Okay, I found a quote describing perichoresis as, they make room for each other, move in and through one another, dance with one another in such a way that creates a mutual indwelling while still maintaining space for each individually. Okay, I love that. I love just the picture of the Trinity dancing together and interacting together. Um, and they're all different, yet they're the same. And together they make up God. And they each have a role to play. But better yet, they've invited us to be in that union with them. So if you look at those pictures, picture yourself standing in the middle of that circle. Okay? And they're kind of dancing around you and they're all interacting with you and you're interacting with each of them. That's their goal for us. That's, that's the point. Okay? To be perfectly honest, sometimes I have a problem when I pray because I don't know who I want to pray to. Do I want to pray to God the Father right now or Jesus or the Holy Spirit? And it's like this... It's not a problem, really. It's a good problem. You know, I have three kids, and it's Mother's Day, so I get to do this. But I have a picture of my kiddos because they're so cute. And 
you have to allow me on Mother's Day. So those are my three kids. And this analogy works pretty well because there's three of my kids and three of the Trinity. But sometimes for me with the Trinity, it feels like trying to pick my favorite kid. Okay, you can't. My love for each of those three stinkers up there is the same. Okay, I love each of them equally, but I also love them differently. Okay, because they interact in my life in different ways and they play a slightly different role in our family. And it's kind of the same thing with the Trinity. And this isn't necessary, this problem that I have of who to pray to, because they all hear me every time I pray. And the Father's happy when I pray to Jesus, (laughs) and the Holy Spirit's happy when I pray to the Father. It doesn't really matter. But it's best when the Trinity's all together, and it's best when my family is all together, when we're all together and we're all laughing and having a good time. That's when it's the best, okay? So the emphasis that we place on the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit ministry at this church, it doesn't diminish the role that the Father plays, and it doesn't diminish the role that Jesus plays at our church either. They're all equally important in our salvation. They're equally important in our faith and in our walk. So, and in actuality, the Holy Spirit actually reveals more of Jesus for us. Okay? He doesn't overshadow him. When we say, come Holy Spirit, or more Holy Spirit, we say that partly because his presence shows us more of Jesus, and we want more of Jesus too. And then Jesus shows us more about the Father. Okay? And then we're back to the perichoresis idea. Okay? It doesn't take away from one to worship another. Worshiping one aspect of the Trinity adds to our worship of the other two parts of the Trinity. This is a love that can only grow. It's supernatural. There's no jealousy within the Trinity. Couple Bible verses. John 14.26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught. Okay, he points to Jesus. He reveals Jesus. And by the same token, Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Okay, the sun reveals the Father. He's the exact representation of the Father. Okay, so the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus, and Jesus leads us to the Father. Okay, and the Father is just going to point us back to the Holy Spirit. Okay, they, they all are supporting one another, and they want to reveal each other. Okay. So I used to have a thought that we lived in the most boring time. Okay, I thought... All the good stuff had already happened. I wish I would have lived in the Old Testament times, okay, with the Red Sea parting and Moses and, you know, Elijah with the prophets, and that would have been really cool. Or if not then, then I would have liked to live in the New Testament time with Jesus and to meet Jesus and walk with him and touch him and talk with him and get to see all the things that he did. I thought that all the good stuff had already happened. Now, I've come to realize that was a lie that I was believing, Okay, because now what I believe is that we live in the most exciting time. Okay, this time in history is the most exciting time. This is the time when the good stuff is happening. This is the time when the Holy Spirit is spread throughout the earth. Okay, so if we think of history in almost three stages, we have Old Testament times, and God's presence was here on the earth, but it was primarily revealed in the physical temple. 
Okay, You had to go to the tabernacle or to the temple, and high priests could go into the Holy of Holies, and they could interact with the presence of God. Okay, And it, it was primarily revealed there, so it was limited. And then the second stage, Jesus comes. And this is exciting, and it's wonderful. But at the same time, it's also limited by where Jesus was. That's why he had huge crowds of people following him. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to hear him. They wanted him to heal them. Okay? But it was limited by where he went. And so he went lots of different places okay, to take his presence. And then he was crucified and resurrected. And at that time, the veil around the Holy of Holies was torn. Okay? And now we are all called high priests. We all are allowed to enter into the presence of God. And his presence is in us and we carry it with us. And we can take it to all the world. This time is not boring. This is the most exciting time. This is the time when stuff is happening all over the world simultaneously. Okay? The kingdom of God is breaking out. And we get to have a piece of that. Okay? All right. So, oftentimes, if you ask people when they first met the Holy Spirit, they won't have a clear answer for you. Or they'll be a little bit confused. But if you ask people, when did God become more than a word to you? Or when did God become real to you? They'll often remember that. Even if they, the Holy Spirit was often part of that, even if they didn't realize it. Okay, so for me, now I will tell you this is super convenient, being that I'm the children's pastor and I'm promoting camp, but the time when God became real to me was at camp, <laughs> okay? So I was in probably the fifth grade. I went to camp for several summers in a row, so I don't remember exactly which summer this happened, but I was probably in about fifth grade. Now, the thing about camp is it takes the kids out of their family dynamic. So for that week, I wasn't the little sister, and I wasn't the little goody-two-shoes daughter, okay? I was just suddenly Sarah, and actually, I decided to go by my middle name one year at camp, so I actually wasn't even Sarah. I was Allie, and that didn't work because I never responded when they said my name. But, and it also takes you out of the culture of this world. You're not at school, you're not at Kroger, you're not in rush hour traffic. It takes you out of the culture of the world and puts you in a little Holy Spirit God bubble, okay? And then you're surrounded by these counselors that are super cool, okay? They were in college. I thought they were so fashionable. And I look back and really they were wearing like grubby shorts and t-shirts. Like they weren't that fashionable, but I thought they were. Okay? And they would lead us in Bible studies, and it was there that I realized, okay, this isn't just a story about Moses and a story about Jesus, but the Bible actually had application for my life. And these counselors opened that up to me and showed me how to read the Bible. Then on the last night of camp, we did something that was kind of radical for Presbyterians, but we had a sing-down, and we sang every worship song that we knew for hours. And it was hot, and it was sweaty, and it was rambunctious. And then it was quiet, and it was intimate. Okay? And then they took us outside to, in front of the lake. And it was a beautiful starlit night. And we were all out there. We just worshipped for hours. And there was a wooden cross laying on the ground. And they gave us the gospel message. And then they gave us an opportunity to respond. And actually, I think I have a picture of the lake. I found it from the camp I went to. This is a current picture of that lake. So imagine it's nighttime. Um, but they took us out there and then they gave us a candle 
And they said, if you want to respond to Jesus, light your candle. And so we lit our candles one by one, and then we knelt down by the cross, and we dripped wax on the cross and stuck our candle to it. And then those super cool counselors, they took the cross and they pushed it out onto the lake. And this burning cross floated across the lake. And we all stood there just silent. And I get goosebumps every time I talk about it because God was so real in that moment. And I didn't have language then for the Holy Spirit, but he was there. He was there in the peace of that moment. He was there in the rowdy worship. He was there in the fact that all of our hearts were just drawn to him. Hey, he was there. God became real to me. My faith was different after that week. Okay. So as a side note, send me your kids. Give me your kids for the week of camp. Okay, we're going to have cool counselors and we're going to create time and space like that where they have an opportunity to respond and where God's going to become real to them. Okay, so it wasn't until a few years ago that I truly experienced the Holy Spirit and actually had the necessary language to describe what was happening. Okay, it was right here in this room and Robbie Dawkins came and gave one of his powerful messages like he does and then um, led a ministry time. And I came up right here and tears just started flowing down my face and my hands started to shake and I just felt an overwhelming sense of the father's love for me. And I couldn't believe that I had gone probably 20 years at that point being a follower of Jesus and never having experienced his presence that powerfully. You know, after 20 years, you kind of get to a spot where you're like, well, I kind of got this God thing down. And then this whole new area of Christianity opened up to me of actually experiencing his presence, his tangible presence. And since then, the Holy Spirit's continued to grow and influence in my life. I've experienced more shaking of my hands, heat on my whole body, gold dust on my hands. I've seen people healed. I've spoken in tongues. I've given prophetic words, pictures. And my journey with the Holy Spirit's just beginning. Like, there's so much more. Just this past Tuesday at our ministry meeting, the staff, we were talking. And to be honest, everyone was a little hungry. And we were kind of like, how long are we going to worship? Because we're all a little hungry. And then the Holy Spirit showed up. And we ended up worshiping. We did, I think, four songs instead of one. And then we prayed. And it was amazing and it was incredible and nobody was thinking about their stomachs anymore. Nobody was hungry because he showed up. And so we let him and we let him interrupt our day and we gave our time to him. In Mark 1.8, it says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This baptizing isn't just a one-time event. That night with Robbie Dawkins, I think, was the first time I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit many times since then. And each time, it's been formative in my life. It's meant that I've had a release of joy in my life, a release of peace in my life. It's meant the dispelling of untruths from my mind. Or it's been a deeper like confirmation of his love for me and his heart for me. Each time is formative. Okay? And actually, the word for baptized used there is, really means the process of pickling. Okay, so think of a cucumber. You don't just like dip it once 
And then, oh, it's a pickle all of a sudden. Like, it's a process. It takes time, okay? We're meant to spend time in the Holy Spirit's presence, to be baptized multiple times in his presence. So if I were to ask you today, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Okay. Responses would vary. Some of you would say, uh, I don't know. Or, you know, I really don't care. Or, oh, I love the Holy Spirit. Or, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, I've been there, I've done that, I'm really not interested anymore. Okay. I want to invite you over the next six weeks to make a conscious choice to take your next step in learning about the Holy Spirit, whatever that is. Okay. And I know there's some obstacles. You know, there are some crazy charismatics out there that really have given the Holy Spirit a bad reputation. Okay. There's some churches that are, we have the Holy Spirit and you guys don't have the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's entire books written against the Holy Spirit. I know that there's obstacles here. And in fact, I have a video clip from the Champagne Vineyard. It's a real guy. His name's Rich. Um, and he's going to share just a little bit about his testimony. Um, I had a, uh, a PE teacher that asked me to come with her to, um, with her church because she, you know, thought it would be good with my anger that I had when I was young. I was, you know, pretty angry. So um, her church took me to a Michael W. Smith concert one time and it made me feel all these different emotions that you know I had never really felt before because you know my house was filled with so much anger and just negativity all the time so you know being around people that were so loving and positive you know I just pretty much thought to myself how can these people be so happy all the time like it's just not possible you know when, when you don't experience happiness at all you you just, it, it's hard for you to understand it and want to do it because it, you don't get it. Like you're, you don't, you've never felt it, you know? So it's kind of like God, if you've never felt it before, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get to that point because you're, you're searching for it, you're reaching for it. Um, but there was a small part of me that wanted to know more about faith and hope, the Holy Spirit and, you know, how to follow the word um, and really just what that even meant. Like I, I would hear all these words that people would throw out and, and I would be like, what, what does that even mean? Like, where are they getting this from? Like, I don't, I don't get it. So if you come on Wednesday night, you'll get to see the whole video. You'll get to see the beginning of that story, the end of that story. Okay. So here's what God says about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So Jesus calls him the helper, okay? But this is not, he's not like a personal assistant or an errand boy or something like that. He's real help, okay? And he's given to us. He lives inside of us. I'm his permanent residence. He's not leaving, not even on my bad days, not even when I sin and mess up. He's not leaving. He's here forever, Okay? And he's a gift. He's a free gift given to us. Now you might say, I'm not interested, or I have no need of that particular gift. Okay? There's one time my husband gave me a gift that my husband Grant, he's sitting right here, and I really didn't want the gift, and I was a little mad about it. So we live in a Cape Cod house, and so the top story is technically like a half story with the slope ceilings, and that's our bedroom. And it gets really hot up there. 
right? And so we would just lay there in bed and we would just sweat and just be miserable and not sleep, okay? Every summer. So finally, one day Grant had had enough and he went out and bought an air conditioner to put in the window. And I was mad. (laughs) I was like, why did you spend $400 on an air conditioner? We're fine. This is just summer. This is what happens when you have a second story. We don't need an air conditioner. This is frivolous. And he was like, we're using it. So So it took one night of me laying in that blissfully cold room under the comforter, snuggled up. I was like, oh my gosh, if this thing ever breaks, we're buying another one. (laughs) I I was completely converted. I and it was on last night. Wasn't even hot last night. It was on. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So think of the Holy Spirit like an unwanted air conditioner. Okay? He kind of. He is better than you ever thought. You might not know you need him. He's going to change your life. Okay? Even if you don't think you need him, you do. Okay? My husband was right. I needed an air conditioner. Okay? (laughs) Okay? We live in a self-help culture. We like to help ourselves. We like to go to the bookstore and pick out a book and figure out what we need to do and help ourselves. We like to talk to our friends, talk to our pastors. But all of those are limited. Okay? They can't really provide us real help. The Holy Spirit isn't limited. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's real, true, authentic help. Okay? And he's here to help with every aspect of your life. Okay? From raising your child to raising the dead. Attending church, attending a football game. Okay? Serving dinner, serving the poor. He's here to help with every part of life. Our culture likes to like compartmentalize and say, okay, over here's my work life and over here's my home life and over here's my spiritual life. Okay. Holy Spirit doesn't want that. He wants to invade every single part of your life. He wants to be involved and he doesn't want to like turn you into a crazy charismatic person either. Okay. That's not what we're talking about. One of the vineyard mottos is to be naturally supernatural. We want the supernatural to invade our life in a natural way. So last week, I had an experience like this. I, um, my husband had to work late, so I had my three cute little boys. And all afternoon, I was like, I really want Chipotle. It just sounds really good. Now, that's not unusual, but what is unusual is that I actually took the step to take the three children out to dinner alone on a school night by myself, okay? It's just not something I typically want to do. It's not super enjoyable. But, you know, it was a miracle. We pulled up to Chipotle. There was no line. My children behaved. We got our food. We got our drinks. We sat down. We were having a conversation. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're growing up. This is amazing. Okay? And then this girl came and sat down right next to us. And she started FaceTiming people on her phone. And I got a little annoyed. Because I'm like, you don't FaceTime people in a restaurant. Like, that's what are you doing? I can't hear my kids. What's going on? And then I heard her say, tell me about my mom. And I looked over at her and she hangs up the phone, drops her head and bursts into tears. And before I knew what I was doing, I was out of my chair and I was over there and I was hugging her. And I'm like, what's wrong? What happened? Are you okay? Is your mom okay? And she's just crying. And she says, my mom's dead. My mom died. (laughs) 
And I'm like, oh my goodness. And Noah, my second son, he's like pressed right up against me. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And so I'm just rubbing her back and she calls her brother and she tells her brother that her mom died. Then she's calling other people, trying to find a ride home. And I kept saying to her, like, do you want some alone time or do you want me to stay here with you? She was like, I don't even know. And I was like, well, I'm just going to stay here then. You know, I'm a mom. I can rub backs. You know, I'm going to stay here. And so I stayed there with her for 10 or 15 minutes. And finally I said, you know what? Can I tell you something? She said, yeah. And I said, I don't do this. I don't come to Chipotle on a school night with my three kids by myself. This is just not something I do. But all afternoon I wanted Chipotle. And I said, God sees you. He didn't want you to be alone. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. And he didn't want you to be alone. And with that, she and I both just broke into tears and just cried in the middle of Chipotle. Meanwhile, my four-year-old's running around the restaurant like a maniac. <laughs> it's just kind of what happens. But, you know, I didn't have a super spiritual moment where I was like, okay, Lord, what should I do tonight? And a divine word comes down, go to Chipotle. You know, it was just part of my day. You know, Van says often, like, when you got saved, your huncher got saved. Like, and I guess in my case, my stomach got saved. Like, I just really wanted Chipotle. But he had a divine plan. He had a divine appointment for me. Okay? And that wasn't necessarily the Holy Spirit helping me in my life. But he doesn't just care about me. He cares about everybody. He cares about the lost. He cares about the broken. He cares about the grieving. And so he used me to comfort her in those couple minutes, okay? And he wants to use you in that same way too. And he'll use the other people around you to be your help when you need it, okay? Let's see. So that's just one example. He'll use you in lots of different ways. And really, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit. You may not know it. You may not know how to listen to him. You may not be aware of his presence. You may not know how to cooperate with him, but you already have him. He's already in you. And if you're not a believer of Jesus, he's around you right now. He's wooing you. He's drawing you. He's loving you. He's helping you. He's sending others to help you. Now, there's some common objections or obstacles that we have to kind of address here about the Holy Spirit. You might be thinking, well, I'm not worthy to have the Holy Spirit inside of me, or I'm not spiritual enough to have the Holy Spirit inside me, or I'm not good enough, or do you know what I did last night? Holy Spirit doesn't want to be inside of me, okay? Jesus has taken care of all of that. If you're a believer in Jesus, he's removed all of that. That obstacle is not even there. He's given you a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. He reveals us. And he is our advocate. He's our counselor. And that word really means kind of like an attorney. Okay, so Satan is our accuser. He says, you're not worthy enough. You're not good enough. You're not spiritual enough. You can't have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our attorney. And he's like, sit down. 
Yes, they are. And he advocates for us on our behalf. And God's not going to leave you because you have issues or because you mess up. He's here to heal you and to help you from the inside out. It's easier that way, from the inside out rather than the outside in. Another obstacle might be fear. You know, the Holy Spirit inside of me, that sounds a little scary or creepy. You know, I don't really want that. In our culture, we have like a stranger danger kind of thing where it's like, you don't open the door to a stranger. You don't have a conversation with a stranger. Okay? Or maybe you have a fear of deception or a fear of not being in control. Okay? Jesus is the truth. He is love. He's not going to deceive you. Okay? Nothing evil is going to happen to you with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 11, 11 through 13, it says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, in this verse, Jesus is not calling us evil, okay? He was talking to people who had not yet, like Jesus was obviously still alive. So they had not yet received their hearts of flesh. They didn't have the spirit inside of them. So if those people who are unsaved, not believers, if they can give their kids good gifts, how much more is the father who's perfect? How much more is he going to give good gifts to us, okay? And part of the Holy Spirit's job is he reveals scripture to us. This verse is actually in the Bible twice. It's in Matthew and it's in Luke. I'd apparently read the Matthew one a bunch of times. And at the end of Matthew, it says that he'll give you every good gift. And when I read the Luke one, I never noticed that it says he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So he opened my eyes to that this week, that the Holy Spirit is the good gift. That's what he's going to give you. No matter what you ask for, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to help you get whatever you're asking for. Not like he's a gumball machine, but he's going to give you the help you actually need. Okay? Now, the Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman. Okay? He's not going to force you. You have to be open to him. Okay? That's part of why when we pray here, we put our hands out. It's just a sign of being open. Like, I'm open to you, God. I'm open to you, Holy Spirit. I'm open to receiving what you have for me right now in this minute. Okay? I don't often pray with my hands clasped anymore. Not because it's wrong, but because having my hands open is a physical sign. It's a physical reminder to me. Open your heart. Open your mind. Be open to the Spirit. And really, you already know the Holy Spirit. You just don't know you do. The first time I met Grant, there was nothing awkward. It felt very normal from the first day. And within two weeks, we're like, yeah, we're probably going to get married. Okay? There was nothing awkward there. And you might have a different story for how you met your spouse, but we probably all have someone in our lives where the first time you met them, it just felt kind of normal, felt kind of right. And then as the years go on, they grow in importance to you and, and how they interact in your life. That's like the Holy Spirit. You already know him. It's not going to be awkward. It's not going to be weird. It's going to feel normal. It's going to feel good. It's going to feel right. If you open your heart to him. Now the, it is kind of scary because the Holy Spirit isn't controlled by us. Okay. We don't say Holy Spirit do this and he does it. Um, he's not controlled by us. So there's a little bit of 
anxiety sometimes with that. And sometimes our experience of him is powerful and supernatural. Like there's people falling over, secretive things about people are being revealed, people are erupting in joyous laughter. Sometimes it's really this big, powerful experience, and sometimes it's more subtle and natural. You know, you get a hunch about someone, or the room goes really still. But no matter how he shows up, no matter how he chooses to reveal himself, it's always real, it's always authentic. And it's always exactly what is needed at that moment in time to propel us forward in our relationship with him, to renew our minds, to make us fall more deeply in love with him, and to draw others into his presence. Now, the Holy Spirit is the producer of fruit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay? Now, everybody has some of those to some measure. Okay, People that aren't believers, they have love, they have joy, they have peace. Everybody has some of these to some measure. But it's when we have peace, when we really should be pulling our hair out. It's when we're loving people, when the world would tell us to hate them. It's when we are believing in God, when everything looks like he's abandoned us. It's in those moments when we are bearing those fruits that we look different to the world. That's where it shows that we are his disciples. And that's where we know that it's the Holy Spirit that's in us that is producing that fruit and releasing it. Prime example of this is the disciples. Okay, the crucifixion happens, the resurrection happens, they are scattered, they are hiding. They are Peter, no, I don't know that guy. Okay, they are there's no boldness, there's no faith there with them. Then they're hiding in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes and almost literally like sets their hair on fire, and they are different. Okay? They go right outside. They boldly proclaim the gospel. They have thousands of converts every time they talk about it. They get thrown in jail. And in the midst of it, they have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. They have all of this fruit because the Holy Spirit was finally inside of them. And it radicalized them. And they, in turn, radicalized the world and set the world on fire. Okay? That same Holy Spirit is inside of you. You can do all of those things. You have all of that fruit inside of you with the Holy Spirit. Okay? He's also the giver of gifts. He gives us the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of healing, the gift of tongues, the gift of miracles. He, he's the giver of all those gifts. I've prayed for healing for people many times and seen it happen. I've also prayed and not seen it happen. Okay? But I'm not a healer. It's the Holy Spirit inside of me. He loves to partner with me. He loves to, like, help me do it. He loves, like, picture that perichoresis image again of me in the middle, and I'm praying for someone, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are doing their divine dance, their covenantal dance around me, and they're like, yes, she's doing it. You know, they're right there with me. So, to conclude, we all are somewhere with the Holy Spirit, Unsure, curious, open, been there, done that. Everyone's somewhere with the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you today to ask, who are you, Holy Spirit? And I'm going to encourage you to take your next step with the Holy Spirit, whatever that is. 
That's one of our things here at the Vineyard is we just want people to take their next step. We're not going to tell you exactly what it is. Only you know, because it's different for everybody. But what's your next step to engaging with the Holy Spirit? I want you to try it today during worship. I want you to do something different today during worship that you've never done before. If you've never come down front to worship, try it. If you've never opened up your hands, try it. If you've never lifted your hands, go for it. If you've never closed your eyes, if you've never knelt, if you've never laid down on the floor, try a new posture of worship today. Just as a visible sign of Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. I'm going to take a step to show you that I'm open to you and that I want more of you. Okay. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back out and we're going to go into our time of worship. Before we do that, we're going to take our offering. So I'll invite the ushers to come down front too. So we really view offering as a part of worship here at this church. It's, um, it's a joy to give to God. It's a joy to see our finances be placed in his hands and to see what God's going to do with it and to release those finances into this city. If you're on the far left of a row, you have a basket under your seat. You can pass that down the aisle. So, Father, we thank you for these people. We thank you that you've brought them today to this church. We thank you that you are real. We thank you that you are good, that you are holy, that you are not scary. We pray that you take these offerings and that you multiply them. And you use them to reach Colerain, the city of Cincinnati, and the ends of the earth. We love you, God. Amen. Right. I want to take just a quick minute and ask you to put your hands out and close your eyes. And Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence even more into this room. You're here. You love us. You are good. You are loving. Just invite your presence to fall. Some of you might feel a chill, like run up and down your back. That's him. You might be feeling your body getting hot. That's him. You might feel your hands start to shake. That's him. Just quietly in your heart say more. I want more of you. today joy is being released I think today is a day of joy I think the chains of depression are breaking so we declare that depression be gone we declare a release of joy in these hearts just an outbreak of joy an outbreak of joy we're going to invite the prayer teams to come on down front if you have any prayer needs any physical needs If you feel like you've been chained by depression, come up, let them pray for you. If you have any wounding around Mother's Day, if your mother's heart is grieved or your your daughter's heart or son's heart, if you're feeling grieved at all about Mother's Day, come up and let us pray for you. And don't forget to get your wildflower Mother's Day gift as you leave. Have a great week, everybody.